Hello and welcome to the DC Comics News Spitter Wrap. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 60. And if this is your first visit to the DC Comics News Spitter Wrap, allow me to make a brief introduction. Each and every week, DC Comics puts out new titles. And each and every week, there's the challenge in deciding which are the best, which are the most encouraged books. Which are the books that you should be choosing? Everybody has an argument when it comes to this kind of question. I'm not saying my argument is better or worse. I'm simply offering you the best insight to my reason and reasons for why I pick five books each and every week from DC Comics among the books they publish and feature them here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Just like they put out books every week, episode of this show is sure to follow. For this time around on episode number 60, we're going to start things off with Nightwing Annual number 3. In a story I really enjoyed titled Wings Up, writer Dan Jurgens gives us two different time points. One, approximately several months ago, in a place, an undisclosed location, somewhere in Montana. And this group, who call themselves the Condors, are monitoring Nightwing. But at the moment that they are reviewing footage, it's actually Nightwing, when he had been twisted to wear a Talon costume. The false memories, the changes to his identity, This is all something that a character known as the Red Condor, with the civilian name of John, experienced when Mr. Grayson decided to put on a Talon costume. And it was the Red Condor who had to engage with him. So we go from that timestamp to approximately 18 months earlier. We're in Bloodhaven. Now the temptation is to say Bloodhaven. The story quickly points out how wrong that would be. In this story, Wings Up, we have great art by Anaki Miranda, amazing colors by Nick Filardi, letters by Anvil Design with an original cover by Howard Porter and Rex Locus. So about that Bloodhaven thing, well, as Nightwing appears, he takes on a group of heavily armored fighters who refer to themselves as the Blood Knights of Bloodhaven. And at this point, Dick, Rick Grayson, because at this telling 18 months ago, he doesn't look like the guy who got shot in the head. He looks like the old Dick Grayson we remember. And this story shows us a time when all of the confidence and the certainty that we love about Dick Grayson are on full display. And for this moment, Dick has to give a bit of a grammar lesson, explaining how the two-dot thingy, as he calls it, (laughs) over the U, is an umlaut, which gives a U an U sound. So in reality, this place that they're in is called Bloodhaven, which would make the knights he's fighting the Blood Knights of Bloodhaven. Not quite as impressive as the Blood Knights of Bloodhaven. And that's just one of the many parts about this story which makes it so fun. In the process of taking out these armored bad guys, 
Nightwing is poisoned by gas and has to be rescued by one of the Red Condors. It's that mutual aid that leads to a decision to bring him to the facility in Montana, and it's there that he meets Jacqueline and learns about the Condors and their goal, which is to track, observe, but never to engage. Only in this instance, they make an exception. And with the addition of Nightwing, an offer is made. You see, the Condors are pretty impressive. They've got amazing weapons, flight suits, armor, numerous abilities, as well as uh, technologies to support their goal. And they ask Nightwing to lead them. Now, he's not really in the mood to take on any of what they're asking. However, there are more bad guys on the move, and he's still recovering. So just this once, just this once, he decides he's going to go ahead and take the armor and join them for a trip out. And in doing so, we have some fun moments where he's called the Luddite. They have to face off against Blockbuster. And facing off against Blockbuster gives Dick the chance to see how the armor works and enjoy it. He even points out the fact that because Blockbuster is super deadly, he appreciates having the gear, just this one. But it's not what he wants. It's not who he is. And while he appreciates the offer, he makes a great point, which is that he's learned a long time ago that he's at his best when he does it his way. Now, this footage is all being reviewed as we return back to that timestamp from seven months ago. And yet, while it reveals how he already turned them down once, that was at a different time in his life. According to the leader of the Condors, Jacqueline, things are changing, and her goal is to stay on his good side because she believes, with time, they just might get Nightwing on their side. A great story is told with amazing words and pacing and plotting, but it's brought to life with amazing art and colors, and the team working with Dan Jurgens on this issue really bring their best moments. Nice thing about an annual, like Nightwing Annual Number 3, is you usually get a longer story, more pages, more to enjoy, more to sink into, and also it's a great opportunity to shine a light in a corner that maybe didn't get exposed during the normal course of storytelling. These guys face so many characters. It's a wonder things like this aren't missed more often. Maybe they are. I would recommend not missing Nightwing Annual Number 3, and that's why I'm happy to give it a 5 out of 5 and kick off episode number 55 of The Spinner Rack with this amazing title. Now for my second choice, we're sticking with the annual theme. In fact, this is Flash Annual number three. Kind of sounds like Nightwing Annual number three, right? I thought so. Maybe that's just me. But in this issue, <laughs> titled Tall Tale, Joshua Williamson, who's been doing a wonderful job writing The Flash, and I've really enjoyed is teamed up with Steven Segovia, Brandon Peterson, and Carlo Pagulayan on pencils. They're joined by Brandon Peterson and Jason Paz with the inks, Hi-Fi providing the colors, Steve Wands with the letters, 
and an original cover by David Marquez and Alejandro Sanchez. Now one, I love this story because we get a chance to see the old and the new Suicide Squad make a play. But what really makes this story for me is the fact that <laughs> we get a chance to revisit one of those classic characters who He's been on stage, he's been on screen. Okay, so there hasn't actually been a lot of DC stuff on stage, but let's go with screen. And if there's one thing about Captain Boomerang, it's that he's a rogue, first and foremost. Now, this story involves his time and association with the Suicide Squad, but really, what makes it for me is the fact that we're using someone who knows the Flash as well as any of his enemies can. And in doing so, we get the chance to have Digger Harkness, a.k.a. Captain Boomerang, describe to the authorities just what it is that occurred that they have so many questions about. And Digger has a way of telling a story. If there's one thing about him, it's that he can shape a narrative. And first he introduces how he's been on the run after a bit of a mix-up with the new Suicide Squad, characters like the Airy, Thylacine, Chad's Kitten, Wink, Zebra Man, Finn, along with a couple of favorites like Deadshot and Harley Quinn. Now this makeup, new genetic combination behind the Suicide Squad is actually the result of the absorption of a group known as the Revolutionaries into the Suicide Squad. They weren't treated very well. They didn't like what was happening, and they were actually playing a long game, which involved becoming part of the Suicide Squad, and then, well, putting their own plan into action. According to the telling by Captain Boomerang, this is briefly interrupted by the arrival of the Flash, who doesn't really get a good introduction. He's seen as more of a joke, more of a fool. But he knows, based on the time that he spent learning about the challenges that face the Suicide Squad, that for the most part, these guys aren't really his enemy. And actually, there's someone he wants to help. So he learns about their plan, and he tries to help out. Things go from bad to worse when Deathstroke arrives and makes it an ugly affair. And yet the revolutionaries do show some impressive chops by holding their own against one of the most deadly mercenaries, fighters, killers in the DC universe. During the course of the action, it appears more than a few suffer for their willingness to take on Deathstroke. But what I love in this story <laughs> is that Captain Boomerang ends up playing the hero, which makes sense since he's the one telling the story. At one point, he tries to convince them about how he and Deathstroke have a final face-off. Of course, they also have video footage that disputes his claim. And along the way, we realize that Digger has been playing his own long game. Sure, he could be spilling his guts and giving all the information that the authorities would like. And yet, when he plays his final move... It's like somebody pulling a card out of nowhere, out of their hand, and winning the whole table. 
I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but we do get a moment to see just how loyal the Flash is to those that he cares about, like his rogues gallery, and why he wants them to have the best opportunities. And yet at the same time, it's really clear that the rogues have their own designs and desires. And even though they won't turn away a helping hand from the Flash, just because they get a little help doesn't mean they change who they are. This was a great 5 out of 5. I was really happy to enjoy it. I'm happy to share it with you. And I like the way it ties together some of the wilder events that have been occurring in the regular Suicide Squad title. There's also the fact that we get that great point of view perspective from Digger Harkness. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes things like that, they're just invaluable. I'm going to recommend picking up the Flash Annual number 3. Again, a great 5 out of 5, my second choice. And that means that it's our ad break time. So, keeping that in mind, we're going to take a quick pause. Keep you up to date on all the things going on at DC Comics News. How you can be a part. And maybe introduce you to something you didn't know about. We'll be right back after this break. Thanks for your patience. Hi everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it, here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. (laughs) No, 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 it's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Cougar. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat me, nards. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you.
First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. And just like that, the ad break is over. We are back and diving into my third choice for this week. We're talking about Justice... Well, in this case, we're actually talking about Young Justice, number 15. A great story called Warlords, and a finale of an arc by Brian Michael Bendis, in collaboration with David Walker. Now, for this, we have... John Timms, and Scott Golewski, and Gabe Eltabe. We've got their art, their colors, letters by Wes Abbott, with Timms and Eltabe providing the original cover, and a variant cover by Ben Caldwell. It's actually a pretty cool one, with some really, <laughs> some really great images of some of the newer characters who have joined Young Justice. As the story starts out, Connor has arrived to take on, as he calls her, Star Labs Lady. The others call her Dr. Star Labs. Who are the others? Well, it's just about everybody who has been brought into the fold of Young Justice. <laughs> We've got a list from Teen Lantern to Aqualad, Impulse, Jenny Hex. We've got Superboy, Wonder Girl. <laughs> We've also got Dilate for Hero along with Spoiler. Sideways, Arrowhead, Naomi, Amethyst, Drake, and the Wonder Twins. So why are they after Dr. Star Labs? Well, simply put, she has been sending Connor through many dimensions and torturing him simply for being the unfortunate person to discover just what sort of dangerous and evil things she's been up to. What I really like about this story, though, is we realize why it is that Connor and the memories the team all share are so disjointed. Why it is that they're having trouble. Now, it starts out with Impulse explaining how it is that they have been traveling along to different places, like Gemworld. And how he's seen what that sort of chaos and devastation looks like. That understanding allows Impulse to explain that he is one of those few people. Like some of the other speedsters and those who have a different viewpoint on the world, they can see how much has been changed, how much has been altered, how much timeline, or the timeline, has been written, rewritten, written over. And in that process, sometimes characters, sometimes people, don't get folded into the equation every time. Connor slipped out. Young Justice was greatly affected. And in the process, the team had to go on a journey that brings them all to where they are now. It's a nice moment that 
allows them to not only be there for Connor and for him to see how much they care about him, how much they worry about what's going to happen to him, and how much they care about the challenges he's been facing, especially at the hands of <clears throat> Dr. Starlabs. <laughs> it's a great team moment that is filled with excitement, enthusiasm, and is then interrupted by the FBI, who are there to arrest Dr. Starlabs. The rest of the team, once this moment kind of passes, have the opportunity to knock out a few bad guys, hang out as a gang, and talk a little bit about what their future might look like. But there's a secret. See, Impulse was telling everyone about what he discovered. But that doesn't mean he was telling them everything he discovered. When Connor suggests that maybe they still need to have a conversation about that, we're left with a great cliffhanger and a realization that while Impulse did a nice job introducing things for us, well, we also have more to learn. There's more to the story. And I'm hoping that as we see these cracks and fissures forming throughout the DC universe, that the understanding by those heroes who can share it will be able to shed light on just how much they've all gone through. And because of that, what they can all hope to learn, understand, together, and maybe even help each other out as these discoveries are made and the secrets that perhaps have been covered up are finally given a chance to come to light. I really love this issue for the fact that it's part of the widespread effort I see throughout the DC universe to peel away the layers and get a better sense of understanding. Doing it with a great character like Connor was a perfect way to not only reveal this information, but to show the great support and teamwork that Young Justice is bringing to the table. It could be an auspicious setting for a new future, but until we get issue number 16, we'll just have to wait and see if that ends up being true. In the meantime, Young Justice number 15, a great five out of five, my third choice. And with that, let's keep this train rolling. Now for that fourth choice, I decided to go with Strange Adventures, number two. A story written by Tom King, titled A Little Demanding, with interior and cover art by Mitch Gerards and Evan Doc Shaner, letters by Clayton Cowles, and with that, we dive right into a great story that opens with Mr. Terrific. I always love the fact that technically he's the third smartest person on the planet. What I love about Tom King is he's not always about linear storytelling. The first issue of Strange Adventures told us a bit about Ran and our hero, and also suggested the possibility that he's keeping secrets, that there are things he's not proud of, and that a recent book highlighting him as a hero may not be everything that it appears to be. Mr. Terrific is brought into the equation as someone who is challenging not only his mind, but what he thinks he knows. It's a nice touch having a T-Spear following him around, asking him questions, 
giving him bits of trivia, and watching him excel, whether he's in the freezing cold, about to take on an opponent in a boxing ring, or sitting down for a little bit of training. It is his pursuit of the information that exists within the book and that he's been provided by Batman that causes him to look more closely at Adam Strange, Strange Adventures, and the book that recently came out touting his legacy and the story of his amazing experience. Mr. Terrific is in communication with Batman, and he believes that Batman was right to bring in good old Mr. Terrific, because he thinks that there is a part of this that is skewed by Batman's perspective. And as an outside objective observer, it is Mr. Terrific who believes that he has figured something out. And that's why it's a great moment when he finally does make contact with Adam Strange, introduces himself in the first person as Michael. And from here, we get a sense that not only are we going to learn about Adam Strange in this series, but we're also going to learn about the person trying to pull apart the threads and uncover the mystery. Since Mr. Terrific, Michael, is uh, one of the top three people, top three smartest people in the world, it only stands to reason he's going to get somewhere. He might even get there. And what he discovers, well, it's probably going to change the way we think about Adam Strange, Strange Adventures, Ran, and everything else we think we know. Really enjoyed what Tom King has done in the past with amazing characters like Mr. Miracle. Clearly, with the second chapter, we are getting closer to the nut of the puzzle, or maybe the center behind the layers of shell. And now that we're there, it's time to start chewing away, figuring out what we've got, and exactly what it is that we will discover as we keep digging, chewing, and learning. Strange Adventures number two. My fourth pick, a great five out of five. But more importantly, I'm curious to hear what you think. Thoughts, feelings, impressions. But there'll be time for that at the end. Before we get to the end, it's time for our fifth and final book. And for that fifth and final choice, I decided to go with Death Metal number one. Dark Knight's Death Metal number one, that is. This really fun story, which refers to itself as an anti-crisis, part one of something known as It All Matters by Scott, <laughs> hollow be by name, Snyder, and Greg Painkiller Capullo, with inks by Jonathan Motorbreath Glapian, colors by FCO Fixer, Placencia, letters by Tom, Mr. Nice Guy, Napolitano, with an original cover by Greg Capullo, Jonathan Glapion, and FCO Placencia, a Trinity variant cover by David Highway Star Finch, and Steve Seeking Destroy Furchow, a Superman variant cover by Francesco Electric Eye Matina, a Wonder Woman variant cover by Stanley 
Art Germ, aka the Trooper Lao. A variant cover by Doug Breakin the Law Mankey and David Fast as a Shark Baron. With cartography by Jared, victim of changes Blando. Now, I love wordplay. I love great names. This introduction to a new reality does a wonderful job of giving me all that I want. A little mystery, some fun names, and a future. Potentially a not-so-distant future. One in which Wonder Woman and so many other characters are surviving their current reality. One in which Swamp Thing looks like a charred, broken version of himself. Villains like Joker are somehow locked away in a hellish landscape. And Batman's body is actually not his body. And his consciousness has been transferred to that giant dinosaur you always see in the Batcave. Now who's at the root of all of this evil going on? It's the Batman who laughs. And clearly... He has found a way to get to position of authority, and he has leveraged all of his skills to put the world under his thumb. Now, that doesn't mean that the world is going to stay the way it is. What's going to bring about a change? Well, characters like Wonder Woman will be the first to introduce us to how change might occur and what might occur in order to bring about that change. We get some drastic choices made by Wonder Woman. And along the way, we start to get an understanding of just what it is that has been going on, what our heroes have to do to get themselves out of it, and just how wild this adventure might be. If you've seen some of the images, they might prepare you for some of that possibility. But there's that moment when a dinosaur with Batman's voice turns and speaks. And even when you're reading it, it's really hard to say you're actually prepared for it when it happens. This and so much more. The great writing. The dark, spooky art. The amazing colors. The fine lines of the inks. This book is a labor of love, and I'm still wondering just how Scott Snyder believes he can make it all matter, and in that process, perhaps bring a greater sense of clarity to the continuity of DC, something that many have tried, and only you, the audience, can say whether those attempts have been successful. Again, Dark Knight's Death Metal, number one. My fifth and final choice. A great five out of five, and a perfect way for me to end episode number 60 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I feel an ending like this only makes us look forward to the next chapter. Hopefully, that leaves you looking forward to the next chapter of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I know I want to say thank you for joining me for this episode. Those are my five books. And that brings us to a close. But I don't want to leave you without a little bit of information that might be helpful in the future, in your daily activities, as you seek out great new content. For starters, 
This isn't a one-way conversation. My goal is to introduce my thoughts, my feelings, my opinions, and then, of course, to engage in a conversation with you. How do you let me know what you're thinking? Well, you can let me and everyone here at DC Comics News know what you're thinking. All you have to do is choose your favorite social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, and use the at symbol and DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. When you do, any question, comment, or other that you would like to share gets passed along to all of us here. And we get the chance to know not only what you're thinking, but maybe an opportunity to answer a question or two. Who am I? Well, I'm your host, Seth Singleton. If you want to send me a direct message, you can find me on Twitter as one more singleton. Instagram is Seth the Writer. And really, if you just type my name, Seth Singleton, into a search engine, whatever you end up finding is going to be just fine by me. When it comes to making sure you never miss out on this or any of the other great programming from the DC Comics News Podcast Network. I'm going to encourage you to keep in mind that the Spinner Rack, like all programs from the DC Comics News Podcast Network, are available on all of the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and so many others that are a bit smaller, but just as effective. No matter which platform you're listening on, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe. And then, if you don't mind, we like a rate and review just to sort of know how we're doing. Once you do subscribe, you'll guarantee that you never miss out on all the great offerings, whether it's the weekly DC Comics News podcast, a breakdown of news from movies, television, streaming, comics, and more. You get every new episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, and you also get some of our newer programming. Shows like I Am the Night, an episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray, regular co-host on the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. And you get some of our more adult fare, like Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. An opportunity for those of us who host shows like this or the weekly podcast to kind of let our hair down talk about a body raunchy show and all of the wonderful tender lessons it has to share that is mad love a harley quinn cast and one of many of the great offerings that we have available for you right here on the dc comics news podcast network again this brings this episode to a close so as we always like to say Until next time, read more comics. Thanks, guys. See you soon.